Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Our second pre-season match is done. The Amy Community Series is rolling on Melbourne, taking on Carlton. And on this episode, I'm looking at the players from both these teams. Who are the players that popped? Who are the players that did not? And what does it mean for us as we're getting ever so close to the kicking off of our AFL Fantasy Supercoach and Dream Team seasons for 2024? From a Carlton perspective, especially in the classical salary cap formats of the game, Politely, there's not a lot to take away. A lot of people were very bullish on a Sam Walsh, despite having the early buy. But with that preseason back injury and really a reoccurrence of what kept him out for most of the preseason last year and early in the season, I think the interest has understandably faded. So a lot of the Carlton players we were considering were all channeled through him. Uh, and so now we're not as keen. If you're big and bullish on Nick Newman, I think there's still enough to like. 65% time on ground, went at 48 in Supercoach, mid-50s in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. From a role and a points-per-minutes perspective, it's fine. You're not looking for scoring in an isolation or is the defining selection. You're looking for role. You're looking for structure. And, and he's still in that spot with, with Sam Doherty spending some time through the midfield as well. Uh, I think if you were bullish on Newman, I, I think you can continue on that pathway. For me personally, I'm not sitting in that camp. But if you were, you probably saw everything you needed. Uh, the Hollands boys, while Elijah's going to miss the first couple of weeks due to a, a imposed AFL suspension, I think in draft leagues, they've probably elevated their performance in people's eyes, but neither of them are really classic relevant. Orazio Fantasia was someone that I'd had a sneaky watch list on. Um, really cheap value forward for us, proven point. And, and sometimes that gets undersold, doesn't it, in the fantasy footy landscape is we looking at these cheaper end of price point and go, their value but we actually don't know what they're going to do with Orazio. We actually know what he's able to do at his absolute scoring best. And he's got tons across the formats over his career and, and two, three, four, five, six weeks of stretches where he could score okay. So he was someone for me that if he played well in this matchup and secured that best 22 spot, then he's someone I really would have considered as potentially using as a quote, correctional trade coming off their round two buy. But uh, what? 82% time on ground scoring wasn't great in this matchup for him. And then that concern they had at the end of the match, that at time of recording, the club haven't confirmed any serious injury, but seeing him go down and, and really struggle. I know it was a really hot night in Melbourne off the back of a 36 degree day. It was still in the low thirties during the match. So that's certainly not an uncommon experience for players playing in that level of extreme heat to cramp up a little bit. So let's hope that's all it is, but I've just slid him back a little bit, but he was only ever a target for me after the round two buy and should he had popped some scoring in opening round and or round one. So um, Carlton are one of the teams at the moment that unless a Doherty picks up defensive status or a 
Chera really pops and he might be the one with the absence um, of a Sam Walsh. Maybe he's the one. I thought he was okay in this match against some midfield time, uh, 79% time on ground, reasonable scoring. So look, maybe he's the one, uh, but again, you're looking for captaincy level and vice captaincy level scoring as well as the value based on that price point. So look, probably not the most relevant team for us, which kind of helps and offsets because Melbourne my goodness, they've given us something to seriously consider and seriously talk about. Let's talk at the bottom end from a cash cow perspective. Caleb Windsor, couple of goals, uh, 66% time on ground in this matchup and solid scoring. But I think what's helped is a couple of elements. One, he's shown he belongs at the level and outside players, and he's more of a wingman and run and gun style player. And while they were really bullish to stay in that early portion of the draft was to secure a player of his caliber. But what helps him is the calf complaint and the delay to the start of the season that is coming to wingman Lockie Hunter. This opens up a spot on the wing. The forced retirement also of Angus Brayshaw means that it's not an easy, oh yeah, we'll just flip Angus over. All of a sudden, there's an opportunity in this wing spot, and I think he's a really good chance to get it. He is a vest candidate from a red vest perspective, so just waving that little bit of a flag, but the benefit for us is a couple of fold with Caleb. One, he plays in opening round, so we'll get a free hit look at him and what it is. Additionally, because of that, he will get an accelerated price cycle movement, and with best 18s in rounds two, three, and five, um, we get this opportunity that even if he gets subbed out, we don't really get hurt by that scoring on field in a best 18 component. So to me, I, I think there's enough reasons and confidence elements that you can sele select a Caleb Windsor, whether it be a on your bench forward or, or another opening up the DPP length through your midfield, whatever you choose to, to structure it up or even the utility position in AFL fantasy. I think Caleb Windsor has really elevated himself into our considerations. And I think that's a fair enough. Uh, Bowie, I like. Laurie, I like. I think they're going to be nice draft pickups. Uh, Howes was another that I thought was really nice in this matchup. The scoring wasn't amazing, but the moments I saw him near and around the ball, uh, I think he's a chance to be in that best 22. Again, the beauty with Melbourne, as well as Carlton, I suppose, is we will get a look in opening round and then round one before we have to lock these players away. So, so that's a, a positive component for us. Um, if you're a big on Viney, you saw everything you needed. He's, with a minute to go, he's still hunting and chasing down players with desperation. They're clearly going to win the game and it's 32 degrees outside and it's a preseason game, for goodness sake. And yet you're still seeing that hunger and thirst out of him. If you're big on Petrarca, again, I just find it funny, and people talked about this just the other day when we did the episode around the Richmond matchup and, and Dustin Martin. You're not going to have your impact players massively in the midfield, running out the full game, doing all these kind of components for every single star player. You don't need Petrarca dominating in the preseason. He's proven himself on the biggest stage of them all, and he's shown he's a fantasy-relevant and supercoach-relevant player. So if you're big on Petrarca, absolutely little to no concerns from my perspective that you should fade that interest at all. Yes, there's no Clayton Oliver and there's some players we do need to talk about what that might mean for us moving on. But yeah, absolutely fine to be able to do that. Same with Trent Rivers. If you're bullish on him, you're probably maintaining that level. I still think it's drafts is the place you're going to get value on return. Don't like that price range in AFL Fantasy and Supercoach. But again, Opening round, if he pops that early score, he's 
not going to be a concern for us about getting a vest barring an injury. Therefore, if there's a strong scoring turnout in opening round, we'll get the accelerated price movement before that early buy, which is at the back from a Melbourne perspective, and we can really attack through there. So keep him on that watch list, Trent Rivers, but for me, he, he really needs to go triple figures at a minimum for me to consider some kind of structural movements in what I do in my back line. Jack Billings, we talked about him in the episodes of the 50 Most Relevant, about how there's a spot for him inside this forward line. He offers some nice field kicking opportunities and shots on goal. And it did overall, Melbourne looked a lot more potent in that forward line with Fritch healthy, some of their tools structuring up nicely, Cozzy Pickett, and then you've got guys like Sparrow and Neil Bullen all rolling through this midfield. They did look much more potent, and that was one of their biggest areas of weakness over the past few seasons with straight finals exit. So I think if you're bullish on Billings, you've held that. Again, driving this point home for you. Yes, Melbourne have the early buy, but it's the best one possible for us. We can accelerate price movement with Billings. If he pops a 90 or 100 plus in opening round, I can see a lot of people really steering towards him. He's he's under 300,000 in Supercoach. So to me, he feels like a really easy selection if you don't want to pay up for anyone or you want lots of multiple bites of the cherry of this sub 350 club in Supercoach while a touch over 500,000. I can see people trying to get one of these guys that are in this range, whether it be a, a Tom Powell, a Nat Fife, a, a Cam McKenzie, who's a little bit cheaper, let alone a, a Jack Billings. I feel like people will want at least one bites of the cherry of players in this spot. And, and Jack with, again, another free chance to look at him. I think he's seriously someone to consider. We saw everything we needed from him in this matchup. Uh, Last three guys I want to talk about. Yeah, I'm saving Max for last. Don't worry about that. Salem's back in the midfield. We saw this in the practice game last weekend for a half. And we've seen it now in full. This is really interesting to me because now the departure of Angus Brayshaw does mean that a player they thought would be in this midfield rotation is now out of the mix. Now, whether Melbourne had some line of sight for the weeks leading up to this or not, only they internally know. And I'm alluding to the retirement of Angus Brayshaw. But Salem does offer something that Brayshaw had, which is a little bit of composure. He offers a little bit more speed, if I'm honest, um, but really good decision maker. Sometimes takes on the game a little bit too much, but does offer a different dynamic to this midfield where Viney is crash and bash. Oliver is contested and gut running. Petrarca is the modern day midfielder who just does everything well. Salem offers a little bit more speed into this inside midfield unit and a little bit more poise. And so I actually don't mind seeing him in that spot. It'll be interesting to me, again, to see what opening round does because I'm probably not bullish on him being someone I want to run into the middle portion of the year. So therefore, I'm looking for a really quick money grab, and maybe he becomes a pathway to getting a Nick Dacos, where Dacos has his round five by Salem's on round six, and you quickly make that adjustment. I, I really quite am interested in that approach, and I think that could be really valid if he's in this midfield mix. But like I said, no Clayton Oliver means people like a Salem, a sparrow, um, 
all get a bit of a different look into this midfield. And so this is where opening round is going to be so crucial because if this is what's true, the fact that off 74% time on ground, he goes 23 possessions, gives us tons across the formats and picks up almost double digits tackles and a handful of marks. That's a really nice score build. And Salem has shown off halfback before. He can score tons and regularly for us in fantasy footy. So someone I think you just need to bump up your watch list a little bit more but will be ultimately determined by opening round about whether you select him or not. I'd be bumping Tom Sparrow up my draft watch and draft rankings a little bit off the outcome of that. He seemed to really benefit some additional midfield time. He did kick three goals, and we know this about Melbourne players, that when they dominate the scoreboard, there's different mid-forwards or forwards that pop their scoring well. In this match, it was Sparrow and also Neil Bullen. Pickett was okay in this one. He really could have had a field day if he kicked straight despite kicking and getting a, a super coach ton. So we do know that it's a little bit horses for courses in this midfield mix, but I quite like Sparrow as someone at that kind of latter end in that midfield spot, I feel like he could return some value and maybe get you some 20, 25 points per game of value as one of the last few midfielders you get. Of course, if you're drafting this weekend, he might just go up even earlier in draft boards and not maybe return as much value for you. So I like him on draft day. I'm not sold um, on going super early on him, but if he's there in the right spot on my draft, given I think he's going to inherit some of that extra midfield vacancy of Angus Brayshaw, he's going to slide into that mix. But we got to talk about Max, don't we? Big Maxie gone. 24 touches, 30 hitouts, a couple of goals, and off 74% time on ground, goes a monster 130 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 185 in Supercoach. The points shouldn't sway you, but gosh, it does make you sit up and pay attention, doesn't it? But let's be honest, if you're not a Max Gorn owner right now, either watching this game or listening to your favorite content creators or watching or listening back to this episode and you hear me just run through those stat lines. Again, that's only our five marks and two tackles. It does put this reminder to you of what he's done in that solo rock rack spot before what he did in 2020 when he was a 120 odd guy in the adjusted averages of AFL fantasy and verging on 140 and super coach. We know. Max in this mood, man, he could be the best scorer across the formats for the year. And so he might not present the financial value and points value that a Cherry or a Grundy combination, but seeing him in that mode last night, in again, 30-odd degree heat, rucking against Pitonet and DeConning, does make you at least pay some attention. One of the things that was really interesting to me, and it's probably been undersold so far in AFL fantasy and super coach communities at the moment, is the impacts of these new ruck rules where you can put your arm out to impact the ruck contest and then be able to create that hit out. And then from a super coach perspective, that hit out to advantage possibility. There's not many rucks that impact the game to the level of max from a physicality and a mobility combination. And so he politely just ragdolled at will these two boys. And so the Conning's fine, but he's on the ascent. Pitonet is just a baseline ruck and he just absolutely dominated them. The reason we've got to have a consideration about max is if you're holding him right now, if you're already on max, you're not changing that at all. You've seen what you thought. 
you've seen a little bit of upside and you've seen some scoring potential. The people this really means a consideration and conversation is Cherry and Grundy. The good news is this. You don't have to make that decision yet. You get to see what these boys do over their matches this weekend. And then you get to see opening round. You get to see Grundy. You get to see Gorn. You get to see both of these guys in action playing for premiership points before finalizing your decision. Do you have to have Gorn? I, I don't think you do. But I saw either Tiger Gorn, the Gorn that is going to try to push to recapture that dominance of scoring and prominence in the AFL that he held as they were ascending towards their first ever premiership. So it's a consideration to make, but not an action to undertake just yet. But you do need to have a parachute plan. If Gorn does this again in opening round, you have a really big decision to make because he's going to accelerate price really fast and he's going to return value on money based on your investment. So what's your parachute? What if Grundy only goes a flat line ton? And if Cherry only goes an 80? Yes, it's still value for money. But if Gorn does this in opening round, now you've got a consideration. The gap between the end of opening round and the start of round one is really quite condensed. So do the work now. What is the parachute that if Grundy and Cherry don't hit the markers you want, what's that ripcord that you are prepared to pull in order to bring a player like a Max Gorn in? He's a really interesting decision-making process. Is it overreacting to just two okay rucks and a guy just bulk dominating and using his presence and just getting a feel for it after. I think Melbourne would admit they were fairly underwhelming in their first practice match and just trying to kick that cobweb out. Or is this a sign of things to come? I think you've got to get that plan now. You don't have to start Gorn. There are multiple other avenues and options, but you do now as a non-Gorn owner need to have your parachute in case he does what we just saw in opening round and Grundy and Cherry do not. Um, you need to have that visibility now so you're not panicked in those final few days heading into round one. It's probably the biggest dilemma we've got at the preseason so far is has Gorn made enough of a mark for you to make the move? Make that decision now. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can comment below and let us know. Were you already on Max Gorn? Have you changed your tune if you're a non-owner? Let us know in the comments section below. Or if you're listening to the audio episode of this podcast, you can, of course, get in touch with us through all our social media channels. The links are in the description of this episode. We would love for you to go and get involved in the conversation on Big Max Gorn. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We hope you're enjoying these mini pop-up episodes of reviewing the players and the matches that have been through the preseason. We have just dropped for our Patreons, our line-by-line -line AFL Fantasy Draft rankings. If you'd love to get those, those are available for our Patreons, whether it be at the breakout, the premium tier, 
or at the cash cow level. All of them have been given access to those. All you need to do is sign up to our Patreon. All the details for that in the description of this episode. And at the end of these Amy Community Series matches, we'll also be dropping for our Patreons, again, of all tier levels, a full podcast episode and a full rookie guide document that is over 50 pages long reviewing every single relevant cash cow and rookie for us in 2024 we'd love you to be able to go and do that hey thanks so much for tuning in for another episode we are two games down in the amy community series and already plenty of things have been moving and plenty more will continue to be considered as we get closer towards round